everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Uh, the title for today's message is Framing Desires. Uh, I was thinking about maybe naming it Eat Whatever You Want, and you'll see why in a little moment. The reality is that we all have desires, and sometimes we can come away from Christianity, church, uh, the teachings of the church, thinking that every desire is inherently evil. And we need to deny every kind of desire out there, that every desire is linked to our flesh. But today I want to show you something from the Torah, which is where the law comes from, which hopefully will help us see our desires in a slightly different way. Instead of rejecting our desires, what if we simply frame them differently? And that's what today is all about, framing desires. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. So good to have you join us. Uh, as always, thank you so much to all those who tune in week in and week out. We do this every Tuesday morning and we just spend 10, 15 minutes together talking about Jesus, talking about Christianity, the life of a disciple. Um, and you can listen to this perhaps over a cup of coffee or tea, gym, driving, wherever it is. And let's just spend this time together talking about something from the, 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 the Bible that will help us reveal Jesus more to the world around us. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on. Let's dive into today's session. So as I mentioned, we're going to go into this idea of desires by looking at the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And the reason I think this is significant is because this is literally where the law is written down in black and white. So much so that Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy literally means second law. Not only do we receive the law, but Moses emphasizes it twice. Um, and so we're, if, if, if we're going to find anything legalistic, if we're going to find anything over the top, it will probably be in these books. We find laws and rules about what's good and bad. You know, if we're going to find any of that, it's here. So we're going to be diving into Deuteronomy, which is part of a series of sermons Moses gives to the people to establish the law by repeating it a second time. And he's doing this just before they enter the promised land. In other words, these are the things he most wanted them to remember and he doesn't pull any punches. He is direct. He is blunt. And so when we read the next few ideas, it should help us grasp the nature of desire a little bit better. So Deuteronomy 12 verse 15 says this, However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Jump down to verse 21. In the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name, there is uh, too far from you. If it is too far from you, then you may kill any of the herd or your flock, which is the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you. And, you. and you may eat within your towns whenever you desire. So twice in a single chapter, God says to the people, you may eat whatever you want, whatever you desire. And then he says, you can eat as much as you desire and whenever you desire. I love it. God is saying we can eat as much meat as we want whenever we want. However, he does give some guidelines, even though those two verses kind of seem like the opposite of legalism. They seem the other side of legalism. God does give uh, in that chapter, chapter 12, he gives a few guidelines. So verse 19, he says this, take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. Again, the context is eating as much as you want. He says, take care that you do not neglect the Levite. Verse 23, again, same context. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. And then lastly, verse 26, 27, still same context. But the holy things that are due from you and your vow offerings, you shall take. You shall go to the place the Lord will choose, offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but the flesh you may eat. So, 
Here's essentially what that chapter is saying. You can eat whatever you desire, whatever you want, as long as, number one, you're generous with those who have nothing, the Levites, the, the poor, and as long as you don't consume the blood or eat what should be sacrificed. This seems really simple. But we need to ask ourselves, what is God saying to the people about the nature of this desire? He's kind of putting a framework around it. And in our context, sometimes we look at that and go, okay, I don't quite get what that means. What are you saying? But God is very clear in framing this desire. He says you can eat as much as you want. You can eat whenever you want, as long as these few things frame your desire. So I think what God is saying here is that any desire we should have should be framed by two things. If you allow these two things to frame your desire, perhaps the desire is not wrong because we framed it correctly. So frame is this, worship and justice. Worship and justice. Might God be saying that the desires we have will be okay if we allow these two things to frame it and become the guardrails? Well, how does this work, right? So if worship, let's look at worship first. God gives two examples here when it comes to worship. He says that we cannot consume blood and we cannot consume what is holy and dedicated to the Lord. Blood and sacrifice. These two things were out of bounds for the desire for meat. Why? Because they were fuel for worship to God. The blood was poured out on the altar. It was exclusively reserved for worship. You were not allowed to consume it because blood equaled life and the life, uh, you pour it out to God. And and the flesh of the, the sacrifice also belonged to God. And so what God was saying is you can have this desire, as long as you do not allow it to drive you to consume that which should be fuel for your worship. Our desires should never get to the point where they consume what should be offered. Our desires should never detract from what we should be giving to God. Put a pin in that for a moment. Let's talk about the second thing. The second thing is justice. We need to frame our desires with worship and justice, not either or, both and. God reminds the people that no matter what you desire, you can eat as much as you want, whenever you want, as long as you don't ignore slaves, Levites, and the poor. You can have a desire as long as that desire never marginalizes others. Let's break this down. You can have a desire and pursue that desire as long as you never consume what belongs to God and as long as you never consume to the point that marginalizes others. Let's get real for a little bit here. What are some of the other desires we could talk about? This desire for meat while in many circles might be controversial, it's pretty, it's pretty blasé, it's pretty not serious at the moment. But what about other desires? What about our material desires? I mean, even Jesus acknowledges that we need to be clothed, the desire to be clothed. He understands that in this world we need certain things in order to live and function. Nowadays, we might think clothes are not enough and we need to access shelter, cell phones, internet, Wi-Fi. I think sometimes we get to the point where we think Wi-Fi is a, is a human right. But depending on where you live, and how you navigate life, you might feel the need for a car, a house, whatever it is. And you can see how this spirals quickly. The thing is, how can we meet the desire for material things and frame it through worship and justice? Great question. Well, let's talk about worship. Do the things we buy become idols? If you are more attached to the thing you bought than to Jesus, it may be a problem. If your identity is more attached to your possessions than to Jesus, then maybe there is a worship issue with regards to that desire. Do your material desires keep getting out of hand and you're buying things you don't need to impress people who don't care with money you don't have? If we frame our material desires through the lens of worship, 
We're not going to purchase anything that will become an idol. We're not going to purchase anything that will define who we are. It's not going to become an identity thing. Yes, we'll purchase clothes that are comfortable and, and good quality. Yes, we'll purchase all of these things, but it's not going to be to the point where we are defined by them. Then justice. How do we meet our desire for material things through the perspective of justice? Remember, the context here is that our desires should never end up marginalizing anyone. So, do you know where your clothes came from? Were they made by people forced into sweatshops? Was your cell phone made responsibly using responsible labor practices and renewable resources? There is a website now that you can go to to see how many slaves you use every day by what you wear and what you use. What if we started framing our material desires from the perspective of justice and only buying things that were created from a place of justice? I know this sounds crazy because many of us don't even know where our clothes are made. We only know they look good, they make us look good. But what if you started sourcing things that were fair trade? So our material desires defined by worship and justice might look radically different from what they do now. We may have less clutter, less items, but that which we do have might be more responsibly produced and nothing we own would ever own us. I know that's a, an example, but you can apply this to any desire you have. Think about it, your sexual desires. What would happen if all the things you desired sexually were framed with worship and justice? Your relational desires, your career desires, everything. Your desires for anything and everything. The list goes on and on and on. What if we framed every desire with those two things, worship and justice? Right now, let me just ask you, as you're driving around in the car, as you're working out, as you're having a cup of coffee or tea, what do you desire at the moment? What is the number one thing you think you want? Now again, maybe the, the desire is not wrong. Maybe what we frame the desire with is wrong. What if that thing that you most desire, maybe it's a house, a car, an opportunity, a relationship, financial breakthrough, whatever it is, what if the thing that you most desire was now framed by worship and justice? How does that desire look now? Again, the desire might not be wrong, but what if we framed it differently? I want to encourage you as you go through today, as you go through the week ahead and step into the weeks and months ahead, that whenever a desire rises up, maybe don't squash it and think of it as evil. Maybe don't feel guilty about it. But what if we start reframing our desires through worship and justice? Maybe we just stop and go, okay, I want this thing. I want it. Whenever you see a purchase in a store, before you buy it, before you impulse buy, ask yourself, how is this going to affect my worship? And how does this affect the idea of justice? May these two things be the lenses through which we navigate all our desires and all our impulses. God bless you. We will see you same time, same place next week. 